Most people have no idea that there's an invisible gap in their home's protection. You have your home, you have your equity, you know it's there, but what? how do you protect it? Well, it's at risk right now if you don't do anything about home title theft. Uh, according to the FBI, con artists can just pick a house. They can you know, it could be a vacation home, it could be a rental, uh, it could be a home that someone is living in right now. And they just transfer the deed of the house into the name of, of uh, you know, whoever they are. And then they start borrowing against your equity. How do you protect yourself against something like this? Well, you got to use Home Title Lock. Home Title Lock can put up an invisible wall against this type of uh, operation. And this operation is more common than you think. Check on your home's title right now at HomeTitleLock.com. Be sure you're already not a victim of this. Uh, use the promo code BECK. They will send you a complete scan of your home's title and your first 30 days of triple lock title protection are free. HomeTitleLock.com. The promo code is BECK. It's HomeTitleLock.com. The code is BECK. Do it today. While we have been paying attention to the Speaker of the House, which we may have one today, and Israel, there's a lot of things that have fallen by the wayside that seemingly nobody has paid attention to. We have, and they're important things. Jamie Dimon just ripped the central banks for being 100% dead wrong on economic forecasts. That's kind of a big deal. 100% dead wrong on their economic forecasts. Why do we still listen to them? Why do we still listen to the experts? Tonight at 9 o'clock on my uh, television show on Blaze TV, we're going to be talking to you about the other news that broke last week regarding uh, Fauci and, uh, and COVID and the games that are being played and the games that are being played with your health and your tax dollars. That's coming up tonight at 9. But I don't need to tell you that prices are up everywhere. We have Carol Roth to talk to us about a couple of things that are going on now that are causing your wallet to be hit and hit hard and the wallet of every taxpayer in America as well. Carol Roth joins us in 60 seconds. First, how often do you move from one house to another? 
Hopefully, unless you're into that kind of thing, the answer is not very often. Buying and selling homes is a lot of work, and it can be a huge hassle, especially if you don't have the right real estate agent to help you out. Believe me, I've been through a lot of moves. I'm in radio, and you really couldn't hold a job. Uh, I've dealt with more than a few mediocre real estate agents when I did. Now, here's the good news. I formed a company called realestateagentsitrust.com. It's a free service to you. I don't want you to have to go through the same difficulty when you move. I figured it out because I happen to be working with the 500 best real estate agents, according to the Wall Street Journal, in the country. I got to know them. I got to know the best business practices. I wanted to share that with you. So we now have a company that vets these people and finds the very best in your area according to our criteria best business practices real estate agents i trust the name says it all go to real estate agents i trust.com that's real estate agents i trust.com carol roth the uh the author of you will own nothing and former investment banker carol how are you Always a good day when I'm with you, Glenn. Yeah. And I have to say, I want to say congratulations on the uh, the new uh, information out, the relaunch of the Blaze, the Thank beautiful you. new look of the website. It's very exciting stuff. Very, very it's, excited for everybody. Thank you. Isn't it? It's a little disorienting to go to a website with no ads on it. I, I mean, at least it was for <laughs> me. It's really nice. But I kept expecting all of these ads and I would look at something and be like, Oh no, that's just more information. It's really, it's quite nice. Um, thank you for that. So, um, Carol, let's start with the monthly budget review. I don't even know what we're spending this money on, but we are spending money hand over fist. And, uh, I know we're going to pay for it eventually. Uh, tell me the latest. So the latest is everybody heard that for the end of fiscal year 2023, that there was a $1.7 trillion deficit. And Glenn, that sounds horrendous. You know, we're not uh, technically in the middle of a war, although we're on the fringe of, of several, but we haven't lost one. Uh, we have an economy that is technically expanding. We're no longer in a quote unquote emergency. How could we spend $1.7 trillion? Well, I have some news from you. It wasn't $1.7 trillion. It was actually $2 trillion. So I went to the Congressional Budget Report, and since I'm a nerd like I am, I decided to read it. And there was some footnotes that were buried and information that was buried underneath the headline. And one of the things that I found was a little bit of, I'll call it accounting trickery, but it, it's not really accounting trickery on the CBO's part. They were doing the, the standards that they follow, but what was communicated to the public and what was happening at the federal level was trickery. So go back to fiscal year 2022, and you remember that President Biden wanted to do this illegal cancellation of student debt. Right. So for last year's deficit, they put in over $300 billion. That was the best way I can explain it that I've sort of understood. It is almost like a, a reserve or a, a write down basically saying we're not going to get this money. And so this is an expense. And so fiscal year 2022's deficit actually was was much larger what they portrayed than it was because of this accounting reserve that they put in there. Once the Supreme Court struck that down this year, 
they had to undo that. And it's not perfectly dollar for dollar because they figured out some way to save something along the way. But net net, that means that basically they took off this reserve of over $300 billion, which means the actual amount of deficit spending that we need to finance is more than $2 trillion. And again, that's not what's being communicated to the public. You know, you might say 1.7 trillion, 2 trillion, what does it matter at this point? But at this point, especially when rates are what they are and we have to finance every one of those extra dollars, it just means more potential financial damage to this country. So um, I, I was having a conversation with somebody and they say, Glenn, um, the Fed isn't buying all of our our notes now. <laughs> And I said, I'm pretty sure they are. Maybe Japan, because there's some weird deal with Japan. But I'm pretty sure no one's buying it except the Federal Reserve. Am I right? So this is a very sort of complicated issue. If you go back in history and you go back to you know, before the Great Recession financial crisis, um, the deficits that we financed, that was basically done by foreign entities, whether it was foreign central banks or other foreign investment entities, as right. well as, as other investors. When you get to the period between like 2008 and 2014, um, they sort of said, well, you know, maybe the U.S. isn't as tight as it was before. We have a, a, our own financial crises. We don't have the wherewithal to do this. And so it was only financed in part. And that's when the Fed um, enacted this QE program, this bond buying program, and started adding assets to their balance sheet. So they started buying then. And then after 2014, there was basically on net no foreign central bank buyers because you had a lot of the central banks around the world actually um, lessening their, their reserves and they just didn't have the, the wherewithal. So the Fed was. Now we're at a point um, where it's very questionable because the Fed theoretically is letting uh, assets roll off its balance sheet. And it also, um, you know, we don't have uh, entities around the world. We don't have banks and insurance companies that have the wherewithal because they've gotten in trouble with all of this long-term underperforming debt. So they don't have the wherewithal to be out and be buyers. Uh, we do have higher rates so or higher yields. So that has enticed some folks. But obviously, we know that bonds and yields trade in the inverse. So that means that there is more supply than there is demand. And that's why the yields keep going up. So the Fed is definitely doing things in the market, which a lot of us um, argue whether or not that's really QE, where they're doing things to maintain the liquidity in the market. But long term, this does become the question as as we continue to run these massive deficits and there isn't the appetite from other central banks to buy our debt. And we know that there's a whole slew of you know big central banks and big countries that are actually trying to do the opposite. They're trying to put pressure on the U.S. Who is going to be there to purchase this debt? And the answer long term is it's going to have to be the Fed. And what's going to happen, but basically the way this is going to come about is that you're not going to have enough buyers. You're going to see the, the yields go up. It's going to create a crisis in the market. And the Fed's going to be left with some one of two choices. The QE that we talked about, the bond buying and a QE program is we're going to buy 
X dollars worth of bonds in order to get things down, or something which Japan has done called yield curve control, where they say, well, we want to target this specific interest rate, and we'll just buy as many bonds as it takes right. in order to keep it at that level. And so that is the trajectory we are on with the amount of deficits we have, with the debt we have, with the interest that we have. There are only so many things. I mean, math's math. There's only so many taxes that we can levy. They're not going to cut back services. We've, we've, we've seen that already. And so the only other option is debt financing. When there's nobody there to finance the debt, it ends up coming with from the Fed and it ends up devaluing your dollars and we get inflation. And this is what people don't understand. People are decoupled from reality. Math is math. There are only so many options they have. And at every single turn, this ends up hurting the American people. So when we see people pushing back and saying, oh, you know, I earned my social security, they can't take it away from me. I completely understand that, but they've lied to you. So they're either taking it from you there, they're taking it from you in terms of your purchasing power, or they're taking it from you in terms of your taxes, those are their options. That's the range of options they have. Is it? Is it? I saw a story yesterday, maybe, that uh, the first transaction with uh, the Chinese yuan across uh, states uh, has happened, and that the Chinese are dumping our uh, our treasuries and buying gold. Is that yes. true? It is. Um, and that that's the central banks that have been lightening up on treasuries, um, whether because, you know, they are trying to defend their own currencies or they're trying to raise dollars to buy commodities that are priced in dollars like oil or food. Um, you know, that's been going on. And what they have been doing is they have been deciding, hey, if I need dollars, I'm going to sell treasuries, not sell my gold supply. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, you know, Net net, we've actually seen many of these central banks be massive buyers of gold. So it's going to say, hey, if I need to raise money, I have these different options. I'm holding the gold. I think that's a better option mm -hmm. than having these dollar denominated securities, which, again, is a signal, A, in terms of trust of the dollar and B, in terms of the global financial order and this massive desire to say we see weakness, we smell it, we taste it. This is an opportunity for us to knock the United States on its behind. And so they are going to take that opportunity to this to the uh, to the ability that they can. Now, the one weird thing here that I'm going to put out for everyone, and this is going to sound backwards based on everything that we discussed, is that given times of turbulence, the Treasury market the U.S. dollar being this huge liquid, you know, well, generally well-functioning market has always been the flight to safety. When we saw Israel versus Hamas, uh, you know, Hamas attacks Israel, the first thing that happened is that bond yields went down because people were buying treasury bonds. But that only lasted about six days. Mm -hmm. And then we had a reversal. And now we're headed back um, this morning. I, I was checking. I think we're at like 4.9 plus percent on the yield headed for that, you know, 5 percent mark, which is you know, a, a really um, key resistance level. And so but what could happen and we saw Bill Ackman, one of the big hedge fund managers, cover his trade in, in treasuries. And he said, you know, if things really were to accelerate, people actually could end up 
going and buying treasuries as a flight to safety. So that's what we're trying to get through now. Is the treasury going to remain a flight to safety asset or is it being replaced you know, in full by gold? We, we saw at least in this sort of temporary period that you know, it was only a very short time people went to bonds and then they started buying gold again. And you know, certainly I think that gold's going to play a massive role going forward, but what does that mean for the treasury market? And again, what does that mean for you is that the if there aren't people to buy those treasury bonds, the yields go up, everything becomes more expensive, the cost of capital for businesses become more expensive, that ends up you know, slowing down our economy, has all sorts of implications. So that is not a good outcome for any of us here in the United States. All right, so Carol, hang on just a second, because there, there are several politicians, things that are happening around the world that you're getting a new kind of politician that is breaking uh, all of the old standards and are kind of reinventing things. And I don't know if some of these guys are good, good news or bad news. There's one in uh, El Salvador, I think, and there's another one in uh, Argentina. And Correct. I know you've done your homework on them, and I'd like to see if you've what you think of them and if their plans will work. For instance, in Argentina, they have 100 percent inflation. Nobody's going to be able to buy anything in Argentina. It's broken. Can this guy turn it because he's pretty radical uh, yeah. and a, a, I think a li- radical libertarian Correct. Uh, which is OK. <laughs> Uh, not what I expect from South America, but I don't expect it here either. Um, let's uh, let's continue our conversation in 60 seconds. First, let me tell you about a United States Marine Corps captain and pilot Jeremy Sachs. He was killed along with five other service members when his military aircraft ca- crashed during a training exercise. His family and friends remember him as courageous, a brilliant man devoted to his career and the people who were special to him. His wife, Amber, gave birth to their second daughter three months after his death. This is where Tunnel to Towers came in. They paid the mortgage on the Sachs family home because Tunnel to Towers Foundation, they deliver on its promise to do good and never forget the sacrifices America's greatest heroes have made for us. They've helped now over a thousand military and first responder families navigate the worst of times by removing the burden of that mortgage payment. And they're able to do that because of people like you. There are families that are in need more than ever before. Please, if you can, will you help out in their mission? If you would donate $11 a month, it would be so helpful. Let me invite you to go to Tunneled Towers at T2T. That's T, the number 2T.org. T2T.org. 10 seconds, station ID. Okay, so we have five or six minutes here. Let's just talk about uh, the second largest economy in South America that always seems to get on its feet and then they destroy it. And then it gets on its feet and then they destroy it. And it's destroyed every time. But the same thing, Marxism. 
Yeah, so you're talking about Argentina, and what we have to understand about Mar Argentina is that it's this kind of weird anomaly. Um, there's a famous economist that said there are basically four different types of economies in the world. There are those that are developed, there are those that are emerging, there's Japan, and there's Argentina. <laughs> so this is a country that you know went from being really wealthy, I think they were like the 10th wealthiest in the world uh, around 1900. They have you know a really great um, amount of soil, a very fertile soil for agriculture and things were booming and then they just created this massive welfare state and they have been in this spiral that they cannot get out of uh, where they just continue to spend they get bailouts they've got something like i'm not even joking it's like two dozen almost two dozen bailouts from the imf and it just goes to show you that throwing money at problems doesn't fix the problems. You have to go in and, and actually surgically address the, the issues, which are things over the course of history, but certainly in recent years, like massive corruption, like this overspending, um, and they have just been in this, this cycle that they can't get out of. So as you mentioned before the break, this is a country that has, I think at this point, it's up to 140% a year inflation. Jeez. Now, funny enough, this is not hyperinflation. Hyperinflation is 50% a month or about 1,000% a year. This is, I may teach people a new word today, this is called galloping inflation. It's the stage uh -huh. right before hyperinflation. So if you didn't know it, about 20% to you know multiple hundreds percent a year is galloping inflation. So they have galloping inflation, and this is just crushing people. You know, They get their pay. If they're getting it in pesos, they're turning it into dollars immediately because they know that as soon as they have the peso and they go to the store, that it's not going to buy the same amount as it did before. Correct. And this creates this massive crisis of confidence. It creates a lot of demand for dollars. So it's a very highly dollarized society. In fact, a lot of the um, premier workers are, are actually demanding salary or payment for services in dollars because they're looking for something that's stable. But what's happened here, Glenn, is that 40% of their population is in poverty. And when mm. I say poverty, I'm talking real poverty. I'm not talking about iPhones and nice sneakers poverty. I'm talking about you cannot eat for days poverty. So you would think that this would be a nation that says, okay, we can't handle this anymore. We want change. And that's why Javier Millet, who is this you know, crazy libertarian who wants to you know, do massive reforms and shut down the spending, that's one of the reasons he was so popular. He won the open primary. You know, He was off to the races. But when it came down to the vote that we had just a couple of days ago, well, you know, the, the people who were in charge over and over again, they ended up actually coming in in first place. So there's going to be a, a, a runoff here. But what are they doing? All right. We, we're we're going to we're going to come back to him because he is what he is proposing is, uh, I mean, I love it. I love it. It's but great. Can, but can he win in in Argentina? More in just a second. The Glenn Beck Program. When the time comes, are you ready? If something bad goes down, let's face it, something bad is <laughs> all around us. Are you sure you and your family are going to have the food? You can't count on grocery stores in an emergency, and you know that. The truth is, you need emergency food stored. I know it's scary because it makes you feel like, oh, i got to worry about that. No, it's just the opposite. 
when you have your family taken care of, it is such a burden off of your shoulders. The meals are 2,000 calories per day, easy to prepare. Take a little water, a little heat, and you got a meal ready to go. And it is really, really good. It's delicious. Get a three-month emergency food kit for each member of your family and save right now. And My Patriot Supply also sells biomass stoves, off-grid room heaters for power outages, gravity-powered water filters, heirloom seeds, survival gear that may come in handy. It's MyPatriotSupply.com. MyPatriotSupply.com. Go there now. Join Blaze TV today. Use the code GLENNPLUS for 36 bucks off your annual subscription. It's blazetv.com slash Glenn. It looks like uh, the House is reconvening today at noon. Mike Johnson is the candidate this time around. They think they have 217 votes. They don't know for sure. But in conference, they had 201. Uh, There were three people that said they were abstaining. One of them is Thomas Massey. He came out earlier and said, I've had more conversations with uh, Mike. I am in, so I'm going to vote. And there were, I think, 19 people that weren't there, but they felt comfortable that they could get there to 217 today. Yeah, it looks really promising, the most promising effort so far, largely because there's pressure on the other side. The moderates are basically holding them hostage. They're saying that if they don't vote for Johnson, if they they try to continue this, then they will go with the Democrats to vote for McHenry as a temporary speaker with expanded powers, which is what the right doesn't want. Mm -hmm. So they've got a gun to their head here. So Johnson, who doesn't have a huge impact, a lot of people don't even know who he is, um, but he does not have a lot of enemies. So that's a good right. thing for that's him a good right thing, now. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is a big God guy. Um, a smushy, but not, I wouldn't put him in the rhino category. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at his voting ratings today. And of course, I knew them before this, but I was mm-hmm. just double checking. Sure, sure, uh, sure. Uh, we all know our we all know. Mike Johnson voting record. Right. Uh, yeah. He's basically Scalise or McCarthy when it comes to this stuff. And he's yeah. so, also from Louisiana. So, you know, uh, uh, so Scalise, right? There's a lot of... Uh, right. I mean, Louisiana is going to be the most popular, the most powerful state in the Republican conference. Uh, that's for sure. After and this. I, they have alligators, and I think they should bring there some go. to Congress once in a while. <laughs> uh, we're talking to Carol Roth about this new um, politician that may end up running uh, Afghanistan if he can get. I mean, this guy is. I mean, well, just let's, let's listen to his. Uh, or Argentina. I don't know what I said, but Argentina. <laughs> Listen to what he says he wants to do. He wants to get rid of the central bank. Uh, yes. He wants to dollarize. So he wants to get off the peso and go to the dollar. He wants to balance the budget and public education and replace it with vouchers. Privatize health care and legalize free trade of human organs. That's weird. <laughs> Eliminate health, education, and environment ministries and replace them with the Ministry of Human Capital. Make it easier to own handguns and change the logic of social policy where we go from giving people fish to teaching them how to fish. I think I love this guy. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean the the organ um, harvesting. It was a little weird. Side, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So you know, <laughs> obviously, um, I think in principle, what Javier Mule is saying is something that a lot of us understand. And certainly, when you are in a country like Argentina, uh, which was we said, one hundred and forty percent annual inflation, forty percent of the people in poverty, you need massive changes, and they just structurally do not ever make the changes that are needed and end up in this continued spiral loop um, of, of poverty and, and bad outcomes. The crazy part, and this is the parallel I want everyone to pay attention to, even though Argentina is this very specialized economy, it is a story that reminds me of what's happening in the U.S., he was, Millet was, was having, you know, when we first, uh, they did their open primary, he was, was far and away. He, he had the most excitement. He had the people who were coming out to vote for him, but he came in second and is now going to a runoff. And the person that he is coming in second to Glenn is the minister of the economy. So the same party and the same person that is presiding over 140% inflation and 40% poverty is somehow garnering the lion's share of the vote. How is that possible? And it goes back to corruption. It goes back to the strength of parties and getting their people to turn out. They did, it uh, sounds like a little bit of, of, of bribery or carrots where, hey, we're going to cut some of these taxes and subsidize more of this. And again, from the economically illiterate, oh, I'm hurting. That sounds like a great idea until you understand that that's what's causing it. And that's the point of frustration when you sit here as a logical person, whether you're in the U.S. or you're in Argentina, and the people who've put you in this bad position and continue to preside over it and want to try and continue to spend their way out of it, continue to get the lion's share of the votes, you know, it just it's just utter, utter madness. And so when you sit and you look at our elections and you go, well, you know, look at Bidenomics, look how he's destroyed right. the economy, look how he's destroyed purchasing power and opportunities and put us, you know, on the brink of World War Three. And they go, there's no way people are going to vote for him. I just want you to look at Argentina and understand why it's so important for everyone to get really fired up about this and to get people engaged and to have them understand the root of these problems, because otherwise, you're going to get another carrot. You know, we saw in the U.S. Oh, we're going to cancel student debt, or we're going to do you. We're going to have you know whatever it is, and that's going to go. Oh, well, that will solve everything, and people will go out and vote for the same madness over and over again. And so, so that's really what he's up against there. So if he gets in, let's say he wins, he is going after big pharmaceutical, big medicine. The Federal Reserve uh, Bank uh, of of Argentina, he's going after the unions and uh, going after the teachers and the schools. How is he going to be able to do it? Or are they going to just try to do to him what they did to Donald Trump? Well, uh, one of the challenges in Argentina is that a lot of the decisions are made on a provincial basis instead of a federal basis. And that becomes the problem for him is, you know, how much can you really impact the policies? It would be like here in the U.S. if the states actually had, you know, more heft and the federal government Correct. had left, as it should, um, it would be much harder to affect change at that level. And so I think it's going to be a really hard slog for him, but they have to try. 
The other thing I want to point out here, Glenn, which is, you know, again, everything is relative, is the fact that they think the dollar is the beacon of stability. That's how bad this country is. That we're going, oh, what's going on with our Federal Reserve? And they want to tie their future to it. So that's how desperate and bad they are. But it is sort of this, you know, look into this fu- the future, you know, this Charles Dickens moment of what things can become if you don't get your spending under control and you continue to run the level of deficits that we're running in this country and continue to add to our national debt. Carol, as always, thank you so much for being on the program and bringing us up to speed on things. Uh, that's Carol Roth. She has the book, You Will Own Nothing. It is a step-by-step book of what is not only coming, but how to prepare yourself so you are not caught up in the madness. Um, it's an excellent, excellent book. Carol, thank you so much. Thanks, Glenn. You bet. Uh, so tonight, you know, we have been, um, we first went from Russia, 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 Ukraine, 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 to Israel, Israel, Israel. There's no speaker in the house How many critical news stories have we missed in the ocean of this insane thing that is happening in our world right now? I think the biggest, the biggest story in our country's history and maybe man's history will end up being COVID and what changes it made to our societies and to our world. New information is dripping out every week now thanks in large part to the disclosures from the house oversight committee on covid origins we're finding out who was involved what they knew when they knew it and the ensuing cover-ups to make sure that no one knew what was really going on we have found several stories that have just broken uh just in the last few days and no one's paying attention to it and they're going to get buried We are making sure, as I told you, when Israel first happened, like day number two, I said, look, we're going to talk a lot about Israel, but I want you to know my staff is aware of all of the other topics that we've been covering, and we will bring those stories to you when we can and when it's appropriate. We right now have to tell you what's going on with the COVID story because it is amazing, amazing. Tonight, we follow the money. This trail leads through multiple layers of government, including the CIA. It twists through big finance, big pharmaceutical companies, and winds up at ground zero in a biolab in Wuhan. All in all, it exposes the medical industrial complex. Do we happen to have that quote from yesterday from Joe Biden where he's talking about the mRNA uh, vaccines that we're now looking for cancer. Listen to this. No, it was in the news. You had it in the news. Four-minute buzz. I'm sorry. Starting on day one, in the middle of the pandemic, we vaccinated a nation, the greatest operational effort ever undertaken by this country. Passion. Operational. The passion we behind did that it statement. With the a strategy based on science, based on not science. on politics. Hmm. Now, science is exploring whether the mRNA technology that brought us safe and effective COVID vaccines can be used against cancer. You're going to learn. You <laughs> are cured cancer. Why? Why? Why, why do we need vaccines for it? You are going to learn some things tonight that will blow your mind. 
None of it is speculation. We have all of the paperwork on it now. I'm going to tell you the not uh, widely known history of the medical industrial complex, including the founding of Big Pharma itself. In fact, there's a single point in history where our entire medical system changed and cronyism not only perverted it, cronyism was the entire point. We're taking you back to a history that I don't think very many people know, and it is horrific. But if you follow from that point, you can follow the money and not only to the origin of COVID-19, but to the place in the time where everything you hate about big pharma and medicine and doctors and everything else was made possible. What a surprise it ends in the progressive era. You may never look at our medical system the same ever again. I want to give you just one thing that is in the show tonight, and it is, uh, you know, the, the promises that you get, that you hear all the time from uh, our pharmaceutical companies and our government and everybody getting together uh, and saying, you know, this is going to this is going to save the average family. In 2010, when Obamacare was signed into law, the average premium cost for an average family was $14,000. By 2012, it was 16. By 2018, it was 20,000. By 2020, 21,000. By 2022, 22,000. When we passed Obamacare and we were told it will reduce the average family's payment, it was $14,000. It is now $22,000. Why aren't the costs going down? We will show you and we'll show you all of the documents that prove almost everything you were told about COVID and the vaccines were a lie. And if we have a Speaker of the House today, Maybe we can continue to uh, do research as the government entities because they have access to things. I'm going to show you things that we had access to a couple of years ago and what we saw because it was all redacted and what the government finally released last week. It is crazy tonight, nine o'clock. Blaze TV, the Glenn Beck Wednesday night special. Don't miss it. The operative word for so much of our society these days is crazy. We're raising the next generation of Americans to believe that the rule of law is completely topsy-turvy, that evil is good and good is evil. Oh, man, I didn't understand that in the scriptures. I really didn't understand that until recently. Why doesn't the madness stop? Because the woke mind virus is taken over and infected so many. We shouldn't enforce the law because it might hurt somebody's feelings. Well, here's the good news. You can protect your kids and grandkids from bad ideas, not through some vaccination science, but by teaching truth, truth. 
The Tuttle Twins want to help you do that for free. This week, you can get a free book, The Tuttle Twins Learn About the Law, and it explains how good law helps everyone. Once your kids get these lessons, they'll be much less likely to uh, to fall for those things, more likely to be immune to the bad ideas, things like Marxism and wokeism, because they see them for the garbage that they really are. Good ideas are the only antidote to bad ideas. Get the good ideas and teach it to your children. TuttleTwinsBeck.com. Get the book for free. Just pay for shipping this week. TuttleTwinsBeck.com. TuttleTwinsBeck.com. Go there now. The Glenn Beck Program. In case you didn't know, the things you do with your money actually matter. And you can often affect change in the country as much with your wallet. We've seen this with multiple companies recently changing really the landscape of American consumers. Uh, One way of changing the country with your wallet is to buy things that are made here in America. And I mean, actually made here in America. Everyone likes to say that, but who actually does it? Well, one place that actually does it is American Giant. Uh, American Giant it's a bunch of really good people that care about this country, but they make really, really good clothes too. And you know, this is the thing you don't want to be sacrificing. I'm going to have uh, something with the, that's made in America, but the quality's low or, you know, I want to have, I want the best of everything. I mean, I'm an American. That's what I want. And you get that with American giant, every stitch of thread, every metal rivet, every drop of ink is made and assembled right here. You're not just buying the clothing. You're investing in the process that will help save the country. And we need that independent spirit of American manufacturing back. And American Giant is doing their part. The, the cotton, the milling, the, the sewing, the cutting is 100% American. You can buy cheaper. It's possible. But you're going to get a much cheaper quality made by workers overseas who aren't even paid a living wage. Or you can do something great for America with American Giant. Go to American-Giant.com slash Glenn. American-Giant.com slash Glenn. American-Giant.com slash Glenn. So we have the House vote coming up here pretty soon uh, as and it looks like I mean, the most the best chance of anyone actually getting through looks like it will be Mike Johnson, a guy from Louisiana. If you don't know who he is, his voting record is pretty similar to a Scalise or a McCarthy. Um, He's got some good features. He's not the worst option. It could have gone a lot worse than this if he gets through. You probably haven't lost much uh, from McCarthy. I don't know that you've gained much either uh, from all of the past couple of weeks, but it's a little bit of a change. It does seem to support, again, these uh, temporary spending measures that were supposedly the cause of this big revolt. So it doesn't seem like he's going to stand out necessarily that much on that. But he has some good features. He seems to be a a social conservative. Um, And, you know, he's one of these guys that has kept a low profile and that's probably what's helping him here there's two things helping him number one low profile he doesn't have a lot of enemies he's not one of these guys that goes on fox news all the time and says things uh, that are controversial and anger other republicans he's just not that he doesn't have that personality type which is helping him a lot here the second thing is the moderates are basically putting a gun to the head of the rest of the conference and saying if you do not get if this vote doesn't go through if we don't get it this time then we're going to go work with the Democrats and put in McHenry for a temporary speakership power um, increase. 
and that's going to be a temporary uh, situation until we can figure something else out. A lot of Republicans don't want that, so likely they will go around, uh, rally around Johnson today. Vote is happening in a couple of hours. The Glenn Beck Program.